before I get started, there's just a few updates that I wanted to let people know about. Uh, sorry I haven't been posting recently. We're planning on getting back to that very soon this summer. Uh, the main reason is just that uh, Yuda is finishing up his undergraduate thesis uh, at Reed College and graduating afterward. Uh, and then I am just starting my first year of PhD program at the University of Maryland. Our plan going forward, uh, once we start publishing again, will be to do every two weeks or so. Uh, and our first episode, which we've already recorded but have not published quite yet, is a discussion on The Analyst, which is uh, a 18th century critique of calculus, which claims that the truths in calculus are uh, just as much accepted on faith as religious truths are. Uh, so this is a pretty interesting argument, and I recommend reading it for yourself if you're interested in having a take of your own before listening to ours. Anyway, uh, yeah, so that's that's all the updates. Um, just getting that out of the way. This uh, episode is going to be a little different from our usual style. Uh, it's just me this time, and... The way that I've prepared for it is I've made a document with some short notes about my ideas on this topic, the topic being the Clubhouse application. It's a social media app. I'll get to that in a second. And generally, when I would do this sort of thing, I would write out my notes, and then I would write a more detailed uh, take, and then I would write that up onto my blog. Um, which I'll put in the show notes if you're interested in checking out. Yuda also has a blog, so I'll put his as well. Um, but I think that writing things out is very useful for collecting my thoughts and uh, sort of outlining where I think things fit together, which are hard to do in your head. And while you're doing that, you can come to new connections and uh, fill in the blanks and spaces that you hadn't thought of before. Um, but typically, I don't move that forward into the next stage, which would be uh, talking it out, it, like I am doing now. Um, and, you know, in theory, I could just do that on my own. I could just talk to myself. Uh, but publishing it will be a useful step for looking back on it later, and maybe even just talking it out in my voice will be useful for writing up a more detailed blog post in the future, hopefully the near future. Anyway. So with that all out of the way, uh, I can get started here. My main thesis about Clubhouse has two parts. Uh, the first part is that Clubhouse is growing at an increasingly stable rate, uh, so not taking off dramatically like maybe some of its investors early thought it would, uh, and also that it's unique enough that it's going to maintain its presence even after the pandemic, uh, even though it's not growing at this incredible rate that you expect other social media platforms, such as, you know, Facebook, etc., uh, Snapchat, Instagram, all the, the new social media stuff. Uh, so that's the first part of my thesis. And the second part is that the content type on Clubhouse is consolidating into what I call a forum, uh, much more in the sense of what forum means originally rather than how it's usually used now as like a, an internet forum is where you post questions and people ask answer them this is like a forum like discussions where you have a group of people that are transient 
uh, all talking uh, together and asking and answering questions and sharing expertise and things like that. And Clubhouse, the name, pretty much uh, caters to that pretty well. So I think that it falls in line with one of, uh, or at least, you know, one of the goals of the Clubhouse creators. Anyway, so those are my theses. But first, what is Clubhouse? So let's get into that. For people that have not heard of it, of course, also. <laughs> um, so Clubhouse is a new social media app, and it was released in March 2020. So that's about 10 months ago from today, the day of recording. Um, so it's been out for almost a year, but the way that it was released is that people were only allowed to go on the app uh, by invite. So you needed to know someone that already had the app or somehow was given an invite in order to be uh, able to access the app and get into the content. Um, and that content, the main feature being, is this thing they call drop-in audio. So the, the app is organized into a bunch of rooms and when you enter one of these rooms, then it's this drop-in audio situation where there's a group of people on the stage, as it's called, and they're allowed to talk and to listen. So this is all uh, not only drop-in audio, but drop it, or audio only. So you're only sharing audio, there's no video, nothing, no text, no nothing other than audio, uh, which is fairly different from most other social media apps. Uh, if you're not on the stage, you're considered in the audience, and the audience cannot speak. So you, obviously you can talk as much as you want, but no one will hear you because your microphone is muted, uh, but you're allowed to listen. So the, the whole setup is that there's these people on stage, and they're the ones that are uh, providing the, the content and the discussion, and then everyone else is listening. And there are moderators that can decide who gets to come up onto the stage and who must leave the stage. So you can be, uh, you know, kicked off stage or brought up on stage. And if you're in the audience, you can indicate, for example, that you want to get on stage by raising your hand. So all these features are supposed to mimic how it would be like to really be in a room with everyone. And uh, I think a clubhouse is the best analogy here. And there's the stage where all the action is going on and the audience is everyone listening and they can try to participate as well if they go up onto stage. So those are rooms. And uh, beyond rooms, there are organizations called clubs. And clubs are basically just uh, their names. So you can quote unquote subscribe to a club or join a club. And all that means is that you'll get notifications when people associated with that club make a room under that club's name. So in that way, you can have clubs that organize uh, regular meetings and things like that. So that's the that's basically all the features. Um, it's very simple, very straightforward. Auto drop in audio. That's the key idea. Um, so the app is free. Uh, obviously, you need an invitation. Uh, it was originally released on iOS, but uh, uh, recently it came out with Android versions, so they're trying to make it spread out more. And they're also increasing the number of invites that people have, so you can get more people on the platform. Um, yeah, so that's what Clubhouse is. I did not join Clubhouse um, immediately, so let me get into my background of the application here. Um, I got into it about five months ago, so this was back in January. Um, 
uh, right in the midst of the pandemic, like halfway through, I'd, I'd say, uh, at least, you know, for the timescale of where I'm living. Um, when I was first introduced to the app, I was pretty skeptical that I would like it because I don't really like live content usually. Um, so the main example of live content that I can think of that's popular among, you know, my demographic would be, uh, streaming, uh, or sports. And I have never been interested in either of those. I, uh, don't really get it, I would say. <laughs> um, one of the things about streaming in particular that I find weird is that people actually participate in streaming. So, uh, the way that a, for example, a Twitch stream is set up is that you have the main content creator who has a video feed or something going on in the, the main window. And then there's a side window where you have this text chat going through. And the text chat is just where everyone communicates. So no one can talk directly to the, the person hosting the stream. Uh, but you can send a message in the text chat and maybe you can make your message appear more brightly or in some way special if you pay some money to the streamer. Um, I don't really get that at all. Like I would never participate in, uh, the text chat in any way like that or for any similar platform, I think. Um, and the reason is just that I, I, it's so transient and I'm, I'm not really looking to be a part of a community, really, I would be more interested in like, you know, having a more one-on-one -on -one sort of experience with uh, a person. Much more like if you go to a lecture or a talk, you ask a question. And even though obviously many other people can ask questions, um, that sort of participation is the speaker gets a chance to directly address you and the thing that you're asking, rather than being you know, just a part of a very general stream of information being spouted. Anyway, um, along with those quibbles, um, the, the main other uh, problems I have with this kind of content in general is that it's very sparse and slow. So uh, that's just sort of a fact about something being live is it has to happen at the speed of the actual thing happening. Um, and for me, I like to enjoy a lot of my content sped up a little bit. So the prime example being podcasts and videos. Uh, if I can, I will speed up the uh, a, a podcast episode or a video significantly because, you know, <laughs> I can get used to listening or watching it at a higher speed and then I get to consume more of it. So that's always a, a good thing. Um, or, you know, I can consume the same amount, but spend more time doing other things that I want to do. Anyway, so those are some problems I have with live content and the kind of content that I expect to be on Clubhouse. So that's why I'm hesitant going in. Um, the other thing that I briefly mentioned is that I'm a very big fan of podcasts. So I listen to a lot of podcasts, probably listen to something like uh, two to three hours of podcasts every day. So maybe even is the the content type that I spend the most time uh, consuming. So that's a thing to note about me. Obviously, my preferences are going to be different than other people's. So going into my, you know, judgments or uh, my history with the clubhouse, it's, it's useful to have this sort of thing in mind. Um, and on podcasts, the things that I usually like the most are when uh, it's a interview style podcast and 
and is multitasking friendly. So I can, you know, go on a walk or ride my bike or do chores at the same time as listening to the podcast. I usually don't sit down and just listen to a podcast or something like that. Uh, yeah, so those are things I like about podcasts. Um, and it's kind of funny thinking about podcasts because most of the people that I listen to on podcasts are not podcast fans themselves. <laughs> So I've always found that an interesting aspect. Some of them I've heard just didn't really know about podcasts beyond just their own. So when they learned about other podcasts, then they found they really enjoyed them. Uh, the example of this I remember from recently is uh, Vitalik Buterin, who was on uh, the Lex Friedman podcast. And he was saying how <laughs> he, he's been a guest on many different podcasts, but he never really thought of podcasts as being a thing. So when he went and started listening to some podcasts, he was really impressed with how uh, much he enjoyed them and of what high quality they were. Okay, so enough about podcasts. Uh, so Clubhouse, I expected to be uh, have, have a lot of these flaws. So it's slow, it's alive, it's especially unorganized because... Uh, often these rooms are just going to be with random people. Uh, yeah, so that's my sort of pessimism going into it. Uh, interestingly, I think that, you know, reflecting on my experiences, I was basically right about all of those things. <laughs> and still, I enjoy Clubhouse um, for a few interesting reasons that I will get to here. So... Uh, the way I'm splitting this up is I'm going to go through my history with it, and then I'll give my judgments uh, after that. Okay, so my first few experiences with Clubhouse were in January and February, right when I started. So this was over winter break, so I had a little bit extra time, so I was listening to it maybe more frequently than I would be during uh, the full-time school year. So I used Clubhouse maybe once or twice a day, and I would use it in a very similar sort of style that I would listen to a podcast. So uh, the thing about Clubhouse, though, is that since it's live, you can only really join a discussion if it happens to be at the same time as you're willing to listen to it. So it does limit the scope of discussions you can listen to. Uh, unfortunately, I suppose in one way of thinking, um, this was during a time in which there was basically nothing else to be busy doing on a very tight schedule for me because it was winter break and uh you know it's the pandemic it's not like i've got a lot of places that i have to go to so i'm at home where i can schedule around things extremely easily so i was able to experience a lot of clubhouse basically the ideal time which uh is a topic i will get to later whether clubhouse will survive the pandemic ending um so some examples of some things that I learned, uh, or not learned, but experienced on Clubhouse, uh, there was a huge variety. So there were discussions about uh, sort of hot topics in culture and society, like what counts as cultural appropriation, um, but they were a little bit different than what I'm used to hearing because it had a more large range of views of people being represented and it was much more uh free-form discussion so it wasn't like two people arguing it out battling it out or two sides really it was just this like huge mass of people and no one stayed for you know hours and hours so it was pretty much guaranteed that you were by you know an hour later it was going to be an entirely new group of people carrying on the discussion from before. So the discussion just sort of evolves over time in ways that are totally unexpected. Um, 
And those were some of the better ones. So these sort of culture discussions with lots of different views. Um, there were some other ones that were like, uh, <laughs> it seemed to be a group of 16 year olds or something, uh, arguing about whether or not birds exist. And apparently this is some sort of joke and it was pretty funny, but you know, obviously <laughs> not something I'm going to spend that much time listening to. Uh, and they were, they were pretty into it. It's basically like, uh, I don't know. It's like an inside joke, but there's not a public to be joking to. It's just everyone is in on the joke. Anyway, yeah, so there's some less serious, more, you know, random discussions. Uh, let's see. Oh, there was a lot of discussions about cryptocurrencies. Uh, <laughs> and these varied very widely in quality as well as uh, the topic uh, relating to cryptocurrencies. I... I'm very interested in cryptocurrencies, and I follow a lot of information on it uh, online in general, but I'd never really come in such direct contact with people that were, you know, <laughs> just uh, on the front lines of proselytizing, uh, stuff like that. So, you know, plenty of people thinking that uh, crypto is this, like, engine to make you rich right away, so everyone needs to be, you know, brought to the light, stuff like that. Not a lot of um, reliable information, I'll say that. Uh, and that brings me to one of the things I noticed about Clubhouse is that there's basically no quality control. Uh, and what I mean by quality control here is that there's no way, like, there is moderation. So if someone is out of hand on stage or being disrespectful or anything like that, then it's fairly easy to get them off stage. The moderators will do that. But you can't really do anything about just having like a, a boring set of people for some span of time uh, or getting sucked into a topic that no one's really interested in talking about, but somehow like some people on the, the stage are arguing about it. And it seems like a legitimate argument, so you can't stop it, but no one really wants to listen to it. Uh, and that's hard to deal with uh, live, and usually it just isn't dealt with. It just sort of, the people eventually leave, or the topic gets changed when no one has a response, and someone just decides to bring up a new topic. So, usually self-solving, but not in a very efficient manner. It's just over time. Uh, and not only was there very little quality control, um... I think that it was surprisingly good for the amount of quality control it had. There weren't a lot of uh, trolls, uh, as you can see on many other internet platforms. Um, I don't know why exactly that is. A lot of people like to speculate about how unique Clubhouse is. And they're saying, like, you know, Clubhouse is more authentic because uh, something that you could just say off the back of your hand on Twitter or something else where it's just text. Uh, there's no real equipment you have to put into it. It's just so easy to hide behind your screen. But when it's direct voice communication, it's much harder to do this. Uh, people are more likely to be authentic and less likely to be opportunistically trolly. And I think maybe there is something to this. But on the other hand, I think that it has the potential to allow people that are a little bit, you know, psychopathic and <laughs> they don't feel this um, 
this restraint that most people feel when talking to people directly that they are finding it, would find an easier time taking over a discussion on Clubhouse than in another forum where they're just another troll. Uh, but I think there's a more interesting discussion to go into detail there at some point. Uh, still thinking about that. Um, and along with the quality is hit or miss sort of thing, uh, it's, it's very uh, dependent on who is on the stage at the moment. So when you get a notification for a club, typically uh, what I would end up looking for is who is in that room. And are there anyone, is there anyone in that room that I'm interested in listening to? <laughs> so in addition to following clubs, you can follow people. And I think that I ended up following people way more often than thinking about clubs. And I think that by now I've mostly unsubscribed from all but maybe like a few clubs because the clubs just are not very well organized. Uh, maybe there, there are a few good clubs that are well organized and you know, maybe not in the topics that I'm interested in, but anyway. Uh, but most of the time, what I'm interested in is like, oh, there's a person that I follow, like, let's say, Eric Weinstein, or Lex Friedman, or Mark Andreessen, Joshua Bach. Uh, these are people that I follow on other platforms and think are very interesting, and also apparently are avid <laughs> Clubhouse users. So, uh, it would be always very interesting to drop in and hear what they had to say on something. And usually they would spark an interesting discussion or, you know, join an interesting discussion in the first place. So I found uh, following people to be a much better way of figuring out what a good room is than following topics or clubs. Uh, so that's an interesting observation. Um, yeah, and uh, of the people that I ended up following, obviously, I follow people that are uh, related to podcasting and there seemed to be a big overlap in the people that do podcasting and the people that ended up thriving on clubhouse and that makes sense so what was it about clubhouse that was uh appealing at all well it had this sort of local feeling to it so there was a, a big, pretty big variety in the kinds of rooms there are uh and the feels of rooms there are um, but most of them, at least the ones that I experienced, were fairly small. So there are these fairly small rooms, and then there's also like these very big rooms uh, where there's thousands of people. I think that the max uh, for a while was something like 5,000, and then I think it's probably more close to like 10,000 or a little higher than uh, by now. But uh, they, they kept it pretty uh, low compared to what you'd expect from other social media platforms. Um, which is interesting. Uh, and, and, you know, plenty of the ones that I joined had maybe a hundred people or 50 people. So it's, it's much more local in those. Uh, <clears throat> and, uh, there was this decision that I mentioned earlier about how the platform, the, the creators of Clubhouse, they decided intentionally to limit the number of people that could be onboarded at a time. So the, the rate of influx of new users, by this invite restriction where you needed to get an invite from someone who's already on Clubhouse. And uh, I listened in one of these sort of town halls that they did talking about the design of Clubhouse and their goals for it, that uh, their idea in doing that was that they wanted to incentivize people making quality content rather than making the content that is the most likely to 
attract more users to follow them or their room or whatever. Um, and the reason that it did this is because if there's a very limited rate of user growth, then that means that it's going to be very hard to take advantage of these uh, network effects of getting a lot of people to follow you. Um, no matter how good you are at doing that, there's a cap, right? There's only so many new users that are coming on that are going to ever follow you. Uh, and you're not going to be able to increase that number since it's limited by invites. And uh, in, so thinking about how Clubhouse has evolved, I think that worked out uh, pretty well. It definitely gave the early days of Clubhouse, you know, the first few months, uh, a very unique feel. So it did feel like this local sort of thing that you were one of only, you know, 100 people involved with rather than on other platforms where you feel like once you, you know, join uh, or you subscribe to a YouTube channel or something, basically you're expecting thousands and thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of other people to already be involved with that uh, at a much higher level than you are. Um, so Clubhouse is this, it's this new thing. It's this more private, local, personal thing. Uh, and not only that, but, uh, it's, uh, the smallness of it works really well for having this direct communication, uh, uh, interface where you're literally talking to each other with a voice as opposed to, um, text where it can be extremely parallelized. Um, yeah, so, so that's, that's what I think of that. Uh, obviously text uh, is a much more efficient way of communication, uh, their idea, they had a lot of ideas about how voice could be used to be better communication. Um, but yes, it's much more limited, not only in the number of users, but also just how much stuff you can say at a time. So, all right. So I've gone through most of my history here. I can say a little bit more about uh, other experiences that I had. So let me get those up here. Um, <laughs> so here's a, a list of kinds of experiences that I had. Uh, that should represent a little bit of the variety and the kinds of discussions that happen on Clubhouse. Obviously, there's more than this. This is a subset of them because it's the ones that I was interested in that I would ever click on and listen to for any decent amount of time. Uh, but it gives a, uh, for people interested in this podcast, I think that it would be overlapping somewhat. So there's a room with a bunch of traders early on when I joined. So in January, February, that's around when the, the GME situation was happening, GameStop. Uh, and there was this random old guy in the room <laughs> and you could tell he was old because of his voice. Um, and he spent just like 15 minutes straight telling everyone about his history being a, a professional trader and his opinions on the, the evolution of technology and policy and organizations around trading. And it was very interesting. And I can't vouch for any of the veracity of anything he said, but it was interesting listening to him talk about it and respond to people's questions and say things like, you know, the technology back then was like this, and now it's like this. And that means that we can do things in this way or that things that we used to do don't make sense anymore, but we still do them <laughs> because of the old restrictions, things like that. Um, and then People started talking about cryptocurrency, and he had his ideas on that. And it turned out, by chance, 
that uh, one of the audience members uh, was a Bitcoin core developer. So uh, he he um, contributes to the core repository of uh, the code that's used uh, for running Bitcoin. And <laughs> no proof that he is this, but based on how he talked and stuff like that, I think it was uh, a reasonable guess that that's true. And he came up and talked about uh, cryptocurrency with everyone. It was very interesting. And it's just like, you know, that's the the serendipity of the situation. You just have these random people that happen to be interested in the topic gather in this room where they'd never gather in any other way. And then they all end up having this interesting discussion. Uh, speaking of cryptocurrency, there was these lots of rooms about cryptocurrency for a while. Uh, basically people just trying to get people interested in crypto and then buying their coin or whatever. Uh, lots of Bitcoin people as well, specifically. Um, <laughs> lots of crazy self-duding and opportunistic people that I am more aware to be wary of now. Not that I think that, uh, you know, they're all bad, but, um, I think that I had been exposed to a, a much smaller subset of the, uh, crypto community than exists. So it's sort of a side of the cryptocurrency world that I hadn't seen as much. Um, but maybe that's like the stereotypical <laughs> way that most people think about it. <laughs> uh, there was another room that was, uh, with a, uh, I don't know who it was started by, but, um, a group of sex workers, uh, just pulled randomly. And obviously people joined that were sex workers that, uh, weren't invited specifically, but they talked about their experiences recently with a lot of people being unable to work their normal jobs because of the pandemic and this recent boom in, uh, I don't know what to call it. It's like subscriber or like personal subscription pornography, right? So there's this OnlyFans, uh, site that allows people to sell, uh, pictures of themselves for, uh, money directly to consumers. So you don't need to go through, uh, any sort of middleman. And, uh, <laughs> it's, it's more like other kinds of, uh, media like YouTube and Twitch and stuff like that, but obviously for things that wouldn't be allowed on those platforms. Um, and it was interesting listening to them talk about that. A lot of them talking about how, uh, an emotional and like life changing sort of, impact it is to make that sort of decision because it's not really like becoming a prostitute or sex worker in any other way because it's not you're not changing your whole everyday life around it it's not like you have to go somewhere and work in a specific sort of environment um you have much more control and many of them consider it safer uh but it's also this huge change in how the world sees you because you're opening yourself up to this huge variety of people that are now looking at you in a very particular way and you'll never be able to take that back. Uh, another room, <laughs> also coming back to the GMEs where famous, I think it was um, sort of a famous uh, interview is where Elon Musk just randomly comes onto the platform for the first time and he interviews the Robinhood CEO about uh, the policy change uh, surrounding GameStop, how people weren't allowed to buy GameStop shares on Robinhood for a period of time when it was uh, basically at its highest point in uh, forever, probably forever uh, in the future as well. 
<laughs> and a uh, very interesting discussion is like Elon Musk doing real journalism. Somehow this is the only interview of uh, the Robin Hood CEO that was any good uh, in all of media. So widely shared from Clubhouse in particular. Uh, so that was an interesting event. Uh, there's this club called the Big Ideas Club. And I had a lot of guests from podcasts that I follow. And they were basically just podcasts these rooms were so there was the guest and there was the host and then the host asked the guest a bunch of questions and they had an uh and they had a discussion and maybe there's a few q a questions at the end but mm, it was mostly just a podcast so they had think people on like tyler cowan and mark zuckerberg agnes callard uh and I'll, I'll put a link in the description with a link to their club so you can go and find what other guests they have or have had uh another room was hosted by robin hansen who's a pro professor at uh george mason university and he hosted a q a to talk about his recent paper on uh the model of grabby alien civilizations so grabby alien being a particular keyword here that he defines in his paper and how we should expect these aliens to spread throughout the universe uh, based on our current observations. So I thought that was a really interesting discussion. Actually, this was the first discussion that I actually uh, participated in. So I had, uh, I follow Robin Hansen and other places, and I had read parts of his paper. So I had some thoughts and I asked him questions about that. And that was really cool that like, uh, out of nowhere, I did not expect this. I just saw the notification and picked up my phone, and there I was, uh, participating. Uh, Brian Keating, he's a theoretical physicist at San Diego, University of San Diego, and he hosts a podcast, but decided also that he would like to do stuff on uh, Clubhouse. So he basically just hosts podcasts on Clubhouse, but he's a little bit more open where he has... Q&A sprinkled through, brings up random people to ask questions with the guests, uh, or maybe not random people, but people he knows that happen to drop by. So very impromptu. And then <laughs> more recently, uh, Eric Weinstein hosted a room uh, to talk about UFOs, because that's uh, in the news recently. And he seems very keen on keeping around the possibility that UFOs are actually uh, aliens visiting our planet, and he thinks that the government is well uh, able, along with the academic institutions, to keep a secret about this sort of thing. I don't find that particularly plausible, but yeah, so he, he had a discussion with that, and uh, a lot of the people that follow him on Clubhouse joined in on that. Okay, so that's a, that's a good survey of a couple... Uh, experiences that I've had on Clubhouse, and I think that those are the, the highlights, basically. Uh, so now I'll go into some of my opinions. <clears throat> some of my opinions on how Clubhouse has changed, what is good about Clubhouse, what is bad, and what I expect Clubhouse to do in the near future. So you may have gotten the sense from the experiences that I described that Clubhouse seems to divide pretty strongly between two kinds of, uh, I'll call them rooms. Uh, so on the one hand, you have these podcast style rooms where it's much more traditional format. You've got the host and the interviewee, the guest, and the host is asking the guest questions mostly, and then uh, 
feel that they're having a conversation. And sometimes there's maybe one or two or three hosts and they take turns asking questions, stuff like that. Uh, but it's much more like a, a podcast and there isn't a lot of audience interaction. <clears throat> On the other hand, uh, there are these forum-like rooms. So forum, I'm using this in the sense that I used it at the, the beginning of this episode. Uh, and these rooms were different because there wasn't really a static host or a static guest. It was much more that anyone who happened to be on stage was running the discussion all together. And those people changed over time. So, you know, people would drop in, drop out. There were moderators that also uh, rotated and they would bring up new people, fresh people to keep the discussion going or change the discussion, uh, ask questions, things like that. And it, uh, the, the topic would be set by the description and the title of the room, but it wasn't supposed to be much of a static thing, so it could really just go anywhere, even tangentially related to the topic. And people didn't really have a problem with that. They, they just, just decided to talk about whatever's interesting at the time based on the people that are there. Yeah, so uh, those are the two kinds of things that seem to segregate into. And I think that, so my opinion is that the, the latter part, uh, the forum style discussions work much better, and I think will stay around longer and more effectively than the podcast style ones. Uh, this is because what Clubhouse really caters to is a couple things. It caters to the serendipitous conversations where it's contentious on topics being brewed up by the random mix of people that happen to be in the discussion. It's so hard to plan <laughs> things that are, people are going to be committed to on this sort of platform uh, unless it's a podcast-style interview. So I think it's really the best thing to go with is uh, taking advantage of the random mixtures that Clubhouse provides. Um, there's these conversations and between people that I follow elsewhere. So that's a, another thing is that if you have a presence on another platform already, then going into Clubhouse uh, gives a way for people to follow you into discussions that they'll be interested in, where you can sort of just join as a random guest and then give your thoughts on the discussion. And that'll be a really valuable input. Uh, and probably, you know, draw people to that discussion that can give more valuable inputs. Uh and that's really the big thing that centers around in Clubhouse is that it offers a very particular kind of audience interaction. It's not this transient audience interaction that you get on Twitch or YouTube where you can leave a comment or uh, post something in the text chat that's going to be there for like a second or something and not really get addressed usually. Uh, on Clubhouse, you really get the opportunity to engage one-on-one -on -one or, you know, one-on-many with the, the people that are the main content providers or even become one of them yourself. So anything that can take advantage of that situation uh, where the audience input really does matter, uh, it has to be significant. Like, not everything is going to work where the audience input's going to matter. So you have to get the right kind of content for that. Um, and... Like I was saying in the beginning, some of my earliest uh, experiences, uh, I think, turned out to be some of the best is where you're asking these cultural, societal questions or maybe uh, something 
a little more specific, but uh, so, still something that a wide variety of people, not necessarily specialists, can have an input on that's interesting and can uh, spark more questions, more discussion, uh, give people new things to think about. And finally, just the way that things are presented on Clubhouse by this direct voice communication is that <clears throat> when you're talking to someone directly via voice, it's different from responding them to text because you get the chance to ask them intermediate questions as they're talking or going back and forth very quickly, uh, like you would in normal conversation just with a few more people. Uh, I guess that's normal conversation as well with multiple people. Um, so people aren't just going to go off on a long monologue and repeat points over and over that they've already said that they just need to make sure that, like, yes, this is where I stand, this is blah, blah, blah. Um, you really get the chance to inquire on each other's uh, beliefs and to ask little questions, little clarifications, stuff like that. And people are having to come off much more impromptu, so they can't formulate this whole, you know, scheme of how they're going to talk beforehand because it's in real time. So you get the sense of really what are people's true understanding of things? How do they explain it when they have to come up with it off the top of their head? Uh, <laughs> kind of like how I'm doing now, I have to explain this. Um, if it's if it's something that only exists as this formalism that I haven't internalized, then in some sense, I don't think that's really what you have an intuitive understanding of something to be if that's not how you explain it when you're applying it into a very particular thing that someone's asking you uh, off the cuff. As a related point, I think this is what makes lectures often feel more approachable than textbooks. Uh, for example, like watching a YouTube lecture versus reading a textbook, uh, is because even if they have roughly the same content, when someone has to speak something out, they have to explain it in some way that they already understand and they can't just fall back on formalisms and vocab as easily uh, if they don't really understand it in that way. Okay, so those were the things that I thought worked well on Clubhouse, and I think that Clubhouse, if it is going to succeed, will uh, transition more and focus more on those sorts of things, go more in that direction. But of course, there were a lot of things that just didn't work very well in Clubhouse, and I'll get to these now. So uh, first of all, like I was uh, using the term podcast-like uh, discussions, these one-on-one -on -one interviews where there's no audience input, uh, they really did not work well on Clubhouse. They really just should have been podcasts. There, there's no reason to do them live and with an audience. I think that there is some uh, attraction to this for people that like to go to live events, maybe. But I think all in all, if you're going to do it live in Clubhouse at all, you do need to incorporate audience interaction, at least somewhat. And they do that in live events where there's usually a Q&A for like a half hour, an hour or something after a, a lecture or a talk or something. So I think that as long as you're aware of that, uh, then... <laughs> then you can do your, your podcasts on Clubhouse. But if you're just going to do it as a podcast, then there's no reason to do it on uh, Clubhouse. And I think that's really what's going on, is that those sorts of things are basically, uh, they're disappearing from Clubhouse. 
like they should. Uh, another thing is that scheduling around people is impossible on Clubhouse because, especially in its infancy now, it doesn't really feel like a serious commitment. So, uh, not to mention that people are in all sorts of different time zones and this is a social media app. When do you schedule around social media apps? <laughs> uh, and in that way, you're not going to be able to count on who's going to be in the room at the same time as you if you're going to be talking or listening, usually. Uh, and not only that, but as an audience member, uh, scheduling around the clubhouses that you want to listen to is hard, too. So not all of them are recorded, and this is, I think, looked down upon by people in Clubhouse. Uh they like it to be this thing that only exists for a little bit of time. It's like you have to be there to experience it, you know? And yeah, that's true of normal conversation as well. But I think personally, uh, I think uh, the unrecorded nature is highly overrated. I think that there could be a lot of good that comes from recording things and putting them out so that people can... Uh, scavenge through them and find parts that are interesting and post those other places so that uh, interesting things that you get out of a discussion can be shared. If you don't want to share them and you want it to be private, that's fine too. But I think that uh, sharing them will provide a lot of value, uh, especially you know in good discussions. So it'd be a shame if there was a bias against that, which there seems to be. Uh, Okay, another another point is that there were these cycles sometimes where uh, all of a sudden there would be a bunch of rooms talking about Clubhouse itself, so these sort of meta rooms, and people would talk endlessly about how Clubhouse's scope great and uh, all that. They would also talk about problems they're having in Clubhouse, so people like to you know air their complaints as well. So that's all fine and good, but it started seeping out into unrelated rooms as well. So you would have rooms that are talking about, you know, uh, clubhouse this, clubhouse that, but then you go into a room that is totally unrelated to the meta clubhouse theme, and they're talking about how, oh, it's so good that we're on clubhouse because then we can talk about this topic in this way, blah, blah, blah. And then you spend a lot of the discussion just talking about how clubhouse enables you to talk about this or whatever or how other platforms, your free speech is stifled, so you can't talk about this. It's so important that we're talking about this, and you just say that over and over. And uh, obviously not a unique problem to Clubhouse, but a particular problem that seemed to arise in cycles on Clubhouse, so that was annoying. Finally, as my last point here, there was this concept of an after-party, which I'm not quite sure what the uh formal definition is <laughs> but apparently it's where you have an event sometimes off the clubhouse platform and then you have some people that still want to talk about it so they're like oh well where can we talk about this well let's go on clubhouse so they make a clubhouse room and then people that were at the event join and they talk about it and then other people that are interested can see the topic and join if they're interested as well and i think that this is a fine idea in theory, but the to the topics, or not the topics, but the, the rooms ended up being very poor quality, it seemed, almost inevitably. 
Um, there were some specific ones that turned out well, usually where there was someone who like hosted the original event and then they went on Clubhouse because they wanted to do like a Q&A there, basically. And I think that was good use. But for, for anything else where people are just like, oh, I want to hang out, uh, then people go to the room because they're expecting it to be about the topic, but it typically just kind of devolves because people are people are done talking about the topic. They want to talk about whatever, and then it, it just kind of devolves. So, you know, if that's what you want, then you could do that. And uh, But I, I feel like that would probably be better for a private call, something like that. <laughs> um, okay, so that's the end of my monologue here. Uh, interesting trying this out, talking to myself for an hour or so. Uh, my conclusions, just reading those again, are that these forum-style discussions, I think, are the way to go on Clubhouse, and there should be much more of those and focus basically solely on those. Uh, and if you're going to do your uh, talks slash podcast-style things, then make sure to have a Q&A just to make it worthwhile on Clubhouse. Uh, small rooms are great, so don't don't be wary of small rooms. Uh, and I think it's worth a try. So it's unique enough and provides a certain kind of value that people look for. Uh, I don't think that Clubhouse is going to fade away, but I also think that it's just so inefficient in how you communicate on Clubhouse that there's no way for it to grow in the same way that other social media platforms grow. It seems like they're doing something where they're trying to monetize uh, Clubhouse rooms. So you pay a bit of money and then that gives you access to restricted rooms. And I think that's actually probably a good idea because that means that you could take full advantage of these small rooms and people that pay to get into the room, uh, they can uh, they are the ones that get to participate more often. And if you pay some money, that means you're probably interested in the topic, so you're not going to just go on stage to do something worthless. So yeah, uh, I think that's probably a good direction. Um, it will definitely change the dynamics where it's just a bunch of random people, so this will be much more focused. But uh, I'm interested to see what that looks like. So, yeah, those are my predictions and uh, my overview of my history with Clubhouse. Yuda and I, when we uh, were first talking about Clubhouse, we joked that we should do our podcast on Clubhouse sometime. So that might be something we end up doing at some point. Uh Probably what we would do is we would come into the room with a topic and then we would sort of introduce the topic and then whoever random people happen to come into the room, we can invite them on stage and then talk to them about the topic and then, you know, transition to the next people or have a few people at once, something like that. So we would be leading the forum, but it would be much more open forum, not just us talking and then asking questions or something like that. Yeah. So, uh, thanks for listening and look for our next episode on The Analyst. Bye.